When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're talking real money. Hey, thanks for being part of our uh, program here every uh, Saturday live on Northwest News Radio. And then uh, as a podcast, at all of your favorite podcast services, you just go there and type in talking real money. A lot of people doing it. Our podcast has grown tremendously in the last few years. And I got to give that uh, the kudos there to my partner, Don McDonald, who does all the heavy lifting. I just get to come on here and talk. He does all the editing, all the work, and uh, Don is not with us today. He's out ill, but hopefully we'll hear from him again next week. So the telephone number, because uh, your questions and calls are the thing that we we, we want to touch first. If we can get to them, 855-935-8255, 855-935-TALK. And Phil, we'll get to you in just a couple of minutes here. But, you know, a couple of people wrote us questions over the last few weeks and said, what about bonds? Um, now let's just make sure that we're all on the same page here because, and don't, don't, don't take this the wrong way, but I'm going to first explain the difference between a stock and a bond, right? A stock is actual ownership in a company. When you own a portfolio of 10,000 stocks, which I hope you do, because the gentleman who called me last hour and said, I just want to own the S and P 500. That is just too narrow. You need to own more stocks, but you actually own a little piece of those companies. So you're entitled to the dividends. You're entitled to the gains that they, all that good stuff. Okay. And there's a lot of risk that goes with that because some days those companies look good and some days they don't look too good. Some days are last week and other days are the week before. So it, it goes up and down more than you would expect from bond because a bond is an IOU. And those can be issued by governments, can be issued by corporations. And generally they are more stable than stocks. Don't move around as much because there's an aspect of guarantee to a bond. Not all bonds, because yes, some bonds default, but we always urge you own, you know, the highest quality, both in terms of corporate bonds and government bonds. We primarily use U.S. government bonds, but this has been an odd time, especially this year. I just looked at intermediate term bond fund, bond mutual fund, which I advise you how to own bonds is through a mutual fund or exchange traded fund. DFIGX is down 10.7% this year. There's been a lot of articles about how the bond market is down 20% from its peak in January 2021. So people are saying, should I own bonds? And my answer is, yeah, you should. Because still, uh, over the long haul, bonds have been the buffer from stock markets that go all over the place. And I know it's been a little weird this year, but we've had this fairly unusual circumstance where the Federal Reserve has very quickly raised rates and may do it again this month and may continue to do it into this fall. I don't know. And that has pushed bond prices down. But here's the good news. Short-term pain for long-term gain. The Vanguard bond, total bond now yielding 2.25, right? Well, we're starting to get some yields that are going to be reasonable. The uh, Vanguard short-term investment grade bond fund yielding 1.7. 
So a couple other things you can think about in terms of your bonds, which most of you listening should have some because they should provide, again, that cushion, if you will. Um, keep your quality high, as I mentioned. Don't go out and just buy a bond because it pays a high, has a high yield because the higher yielding bonds generally have a reason that they have to pay higher interest. Keep your quality high and your maturity short or intermediate. What am I talking about? I would known bonds that are longer than about 10 years. You know, there's there's people in South America that will sell you a bond that goes 99 years. Well, that government's going to be probably long gone by then. And won't get your money back. So that's one thing. And and you can look back. I know they're saying, well, this is the worst it's ever been. Not really. You go back to the mid-1990s, which is not that long ago. I think bonds took a more precipitous fall at that point. But this these sort of things happen. I think it's going to be relatively short, but I don't know that for sure. But over the long haul, bonds for people, especially, I'd say, 50 and older, that don't want to see their portfolios rise and fall quickly because <laughs> it, it, stocks do that, right? Stocks can go down by as much as 50%. Haven't been that long since that happened. Bonds should provide that cushion, should make it less painful for you as uh, as you move closer to needing the money, which is another thing about bonds. They provide the stability that you could draw from that part of the portfolio while waiting for stocks to recover, which, again, the 100% stock portfolio this year down 13.9%. So these there are many, many good reasons to still own bonds. The bond replacement strategy that sometimes you hear about is a pitch for a product that is uh, that is not something we would recommend. So stay the course. Again, keep your quality high, your maturities short to intermediate. Don't mess around with all this. And we'll be back with your questions and calls at 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255, as we're talking real money. Tom and Don are talking real money. Is your portfolio a mess? You may have a case of hodgepodgeitis, but don't worry, we can help. Just set up a free, no-obligation meeting with a Vestory advisor at Vestory.com. No sales pitch, guaranteed. That's V-E-S-T-O-R-Y.com. Your guides to a really great financial future. Tom and Don are talking real money. Hey, thanks for being part of our program. We are here live every Saturday from noon to 2 Pacific, and we take your questions and calls. But if it doesn't work during that period of time, well, you can go to TalkingRealMoney.com and send us a question there. We get a lot of those as well. But right now, the phone lines are getting packed, so let's see if we can clear them. Phil, thank you for hanging in there, and uh, how can we help you today? Well, hello, and uh, thank you for taking my call, and I'm sorry you're Partner in crime's not feeling too good, but um, I have a question about. I believe you said the uh, Treasury bill is sitting at like nine percent. Is those that are the I bonds? Oh, the I bonds. Those are I bonds. Okay. Yeah, the rate will be again. You can buy it today and get the nine percent, nine point six two percent. I believe for six months in. October, which I think is just next month, they're going to look at inflation and again give you a new rate. Um, so you, the rate will be readjusted at that time. And so again, there's no guarantee that for the length of that bond you're going to get nine percent. Okay, that that was my main question. You know, 
uh, is it going to fluctuate or could it yep. fluctuate? Yep. And also, uh, I have about $70,000 is just sitting around, and I like to leave it for my grandson. And did I hear you right saying that you can only buy one bond at $10,000? You can't do it anymore? Well, you could do one for you. you. You could do one for you. You could do one for your grandson. You could do one for, do you have anybody else in your household? You can do it for each person um, as long as they have a, yeah, a tax but, ID number. Yeah, I'd I like to leave it all, all of it to my grandson. You know, How old is your grandson? And I have that. <laughs> He's 11. <laughs> and is this going to be, that, I'm sorry, go ahead. Um. Uh, yeah, go, no, you, you first. Well, I mean, my question to you always is, is this money you just want your grandson, and I think that's terrific, uh, just to wake up at age 18 and say, wow, I can now go buy whatever I like, or is it, I'll give you another example, because we talk about this on the show frequently. We are believers in the 529 because that's money that grows tax-free if it's taken out for college. And so I've done this for my grandsons, and I... I, I hope they use it um that again i give them a contribution every year on their birthday and every year on the holidays i'm hoping that grows substantially i keep throwing the money at it and it's meaningful when they get to to to, which i hope they will go to college but you this is what i'm getting to is kind of the purpose of that seventy thousand dollars uh-huh and what what is it called it's called a 529 plan. If you type it in online, you'll see what I mean. So this is a, a, a savings plan to help people go to college. You put the money in. And, you know, I like the Utah plan. I like the West Virginia. If you typed in Utah 529, it'll take you to their website. You put mm-hmm. the money in. There's no tax deduction for putting it in, but it grows tax-free right. so that then when your grandson takes it out to go to college – you're going to get all these seven years of growth and the money comes out tax free to pay for for uh, college. What you know, I think it's room and board, tuition, books, all that other. It doesn't cover the beer, but that's a whole other thing. Uh, so but all those <laughs> all those other parts of a higher education that are important, it will. And again, I like the Utah plan. You simply go uh, fill to I, think, I don't remember the website, but if you type in Utah 529 plan, it'll take you there. Okay. Now maybe do some of both. Have, Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. What if you plan to do this five twenty nine, but unfortunately the child doesn't go to college? Well, it can be given to another member of the family because we had somebody in our family who didn't end up going and ended up getting giving it to a cousin, I think, or something. So it can still be sort of handed off without any tax ramification. Okay, great. Well, you know what? I thank you for the straight talk on money talk. Well, well, no, I, I appreciate, appreciate that. It, and I hope, you, and I hope your partner in crime feels better next week. Thank you. I'll let him know you said that. Really appreciate the call. But again, in, in Phil's situation, you could do a little bit of both, right? You could you could put some in that 529, but you could also put some in, uh, again, in, uh, you know, just a regular uh, Uniform Gift to Minors Act or something, because then it grows and it, it, it doesn't get the same tax treatment that the 529, but it could be used for something else if you wanted to give it for, for a car or house down payment, whatever it is. So thank you for the call. Uh, Katie, let's uh, have you join us here, if you can, on uh, Talking Real Money. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing? Doing great. Are you there? 
Good. I am. Okay, so quick question, because I know you have a lot of people online. Um, Want to know about REITs, what your thoughts are on REITs? Well, that's a great question. And we, we've got plenty of time. We've got the whole hour here. So um, first, the first thing about oh, cool. REITs, which are real estate investment trusts, like any other security, mm-hmm. I would only buy them with a lot. In other words, I, I would I would only buy them in an exchange traded fund or a mutual fund because then you're getting diversification. Okay, so I wouldn't buy individual REITs. Oh, it's ETFs or what was the or mutual funds? So, yeah, mutual funds. I, you know, I'm yeah. looking online on this and and I'm seeing that you know the private seems much more uh, much riskier. So say that uh, again. Correct. No, the say that again. Funds seem much. Private REITs are much riskier. Oh, they definitely are. I mean, and most of the time, those are sold as individual REITs. In other words, you're giving them the money to go do a particular project. Those are far riskier. I mean, think it through just like owning an individual stock is far riskier than owning a diversified portfolio. Because if you have it all in WorldCom and a company blows up, then you don't have your money anymore. That can definitely happen with REITs. The other thing with REITs is I would not buy the non-traded variety. There are people that will try to sell you this product because it makes them a lot of money. The fees are high. There's generally a big commission attached to it, and there's no reason to believe that they will outperform a regular old uh, bland REIT fund. I was just looking up the Vanguard REIT, for example, which is one that uh, that I think is is a very fine. Uh, I was going to get try and find you the ticker. Here you go. It's V as in victory G. SLX, Sam Larry X-ray VGSLX, uh-huh. VGSLX and this is going, LX, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah, and this is going to give you exposure to many different industries. For example, they invest in office, healthcare, hotel, all these kind of things. So you're kind of spreading the money around. You're not making a bet on. You know, well, are people ever going to go back to the office? Is that a good place? You know, it's, I, I, we don't believe in making bets like that. And by the way, REITs in my mind, should probably be in a portfolio about 10% of your stock exposure. In other words, if you have 60% of your money in stocks, then just 10% of that 60 would go into REITs. I wouldn't over, you know, overexpose myself to REITs because you know, they, they have rocky periods of time just like stocks. Um, and I haven't really looked at the REIT fund this year much. But especially in rising interest rates, they usually don't do very well either. But again, in a diversified portfolio, I think REITs have a place. Okay, so 10%. Uh, yeah, I would uh, say 10% of 10% your stock portfolio. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay, excellent. Well, great. I think you did. You answered my questions. I really appreciate that. Thank you so much for your call. 855-935-8255. Love to talk to you as well and see if we can answer your questions. We'll be back with more here on Talking Real Money. Tom and Don are talking real money. Set your course for a great future with a free copy of our 60-page Better Retirement Guidebook at Vestory.com, V-E-S-T-O-R-Y.com. For your real life and real future, Tom and Don are talking real money. Thank you for being part of the program here every Saturday to answer your questions about money, investing, saving, retirement, all that kind of good stuff. I was just looking at this Vanguard REIT. For example, it holds 174 different properties, if you are different REITs. So it's a REIT of REITs, right? It holds 
Simon Property Group, which probably holds, you know, hundreds of its own property. So these are, it, it really is widely diversified. And that's really what you, and as a low expense ratio of 0. 0.026, which is classified as low by Morningstar, it says, yeah, that's pretty low. And, you know, here's the thing. REITs are integral to the economy, right? Because you need to have places for people to live. You need to have places for people to shop. You need to have places, believe it or not, still for people to go to work. I uh, certainly need hospitals, other things. So all these things are REITs. They are owned generally by by other, by other real estate investment trusts. And to try to pick them off one at a time is, as I said, kind of trying to pick off stocks one at a time. It's risky. It, there's no suggestion that anybody knows which REIT will be better than another. In fact, quite the opposite. There's nobody who really has done a good job of picking stocks over the long haul, right? Instead of just owning a diversified portfolio. And many of you, when I meet with you, which I, I love doing, frankly, it's, it's, it's enriched my life in ways I never would have imagined. Um, but when I meet with many of you, you don't hold in your portfolio. That's why it's a great question from Katie. All of the other asset classes. We had a call earlier this hour, the gentleman or last hour, a gentleman mentioning that he just wants, wants to own the S&P 500, which is a very important index. It, it, those are very important stocks, but you also need to own large value stocks. In other words, big companies that are kind of beaten down. You need to own small growth stocks. You need to own small value stocks. You need to own all those same asset classes internationally. You should probably own emerging markets. REITs, I think, are an important part of the portfolio. But again, when I look at your portfolios, generally, it's the S&P 500. With small exceptions, you end up piling so much of your money into so few stocks and into a, a particular what we would call asset class that have periods of time of way underperformance. It, there was a decade, 2000 through 2009, where the S&P 500 actually ended up negative, including dividends versus being globally diversified and you end up making money. And again, that's been different since then. The S&P 500 has outperformed a global portfolio. No argument. You can call me and we can, I, I'm going to just give you that point. But over the long haul, over the long haul, it's been better to be more diversified um, than just in U.S. stocks. And this is one of the things that I will touch on at my class next Saturday. At uh, It's retiring in a recession. I'd love to have you join me in person. We still have some seats left at the residence in, in downtown Bellevue. It's just fun to see you at nine o'clock in the morning. So it's not too early. <laughs> Even Don will be up by then. Um, and there's a nominal cost to go in person because I've got to pay for the room and the coffee. Uh, and again, I'll be covering asset allocation, social security, tax planning, Medicare, income plan. I'll even touch on an estate plan. And then Kevin Peterson will be spending time on Medicare. It's 90 minutes. I think you'll walk away and you'll have pretty good ideas about uh, more than investing. Because I think the show sometimes gets boiled down to that, but it is way bigger than that. We're talking about a holistic plan here. And Kiplinger just wrote a great piece about this last week that people have a tendency to look at their retirement in pieces rather than this holistic plan, which it needs to be because all of those things, especially the aforementioned uh, income plan, needs to be looked at closely in terms of taxation. And people always forget, for example, that if your combined income's over 32000 you're going to be paying uh, a bunch of, uh, of tax on your Social Security, for example. So there's reasons to look at all of these things very care uh, carefully and look at them 
in unison. So please come out and see me next Saturday. Yeah, it's going to be fun. It's Saturday morning in Bellevue, the residence in downtown Bellevue. You can register right now. Very simple to do. You just go to TalkingRealMoney.com, TalkingRealMoney.com, click on Classes, and uh, you register there. And as I said before, if you can't come to Bellevue, don't want to come to Bellevue, eh, we'll be online as well. We already have a, I think it's like 300 people signed up for the online version. So hope to see you then. We'll come back. We'll talk with Steve, and we'll talk with you, 855-935-8255, as we continue Talking Real Money. Tom and Don are talking real money. A second opinion could save your life either physically or fiscally. Let one of our Vestry advisors help you save your future at Vestory.com, V-E-S-T-O-R-Y.com. Reality Radio for a really great future. We're talking real money. Welcome back to Talking Real Money, 855-935-8255. That's 855-935-TALK. Love to take your questions and calls, uh, so ring us up. So we've got a half an hour here, and uh, Steve has kindly waited and now joins us on the program. Hi, Steve. Hi, uh, Tom. How are you today? I'm doing gr- – well, I'm working inside, so I'm doing well. <laughs> cough, cough, yeah, huh? Right. Yeah, yeah. Ugh, Horrible. Yeah. I have a question about Social Security, and I will just give you a real brief. Um, yeah, take your time. We got lots of time here. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. I'm 61 years old. My wife is 61 years old. I plan on working until at least 67. I love my job. I can work there forever, um, uh, as long as I'm in good health. Um, so, but my wife only works part time, uh, makes less than thirty thousand a year, uh, and we have a little bit of high interest debt um, between six and ten percent. A couple lines of credit we were using to remodel and do things like that. And I'm wondering when she reaches sixty-two, um, would it be advantageous to take Social Security early for her? and put that money toward the high-interest debt? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, So here's the thing to consider. Uh, (laughs) Doggone Social Security rules are so complicated. First of all, she can file at 62, take the money, and use it to pay the debt. And, And so that you already know that. But here's the question at hand. The benefit that she's going to get at 62 she can wait until then you are 67 and you because you would want to wait until you at least your full retirement age to file and then she can either take her benefit or half of yours but her her benefit if she files on half of yours will be reduced due to the fact that she files at 62 and does not wait until full retirement age it's so doggone complicated so i mean you'd have to go look at what her benefit would be at 62 and then try to go back and look at what your benefit would be at 67 and then equate what half of that would be at 67. Remember, and those are in today's dollars, right, if you go on their website. Um, but that would be the calculation to try to determine because she is going to be reducing the benefit, the spousal benefit she's going to be getting from you at a later date, assuming that yours is hers is um, less than half of what your benefit will be. Do you believe that to be the case? Yeah. 
Uh, it's probably about half. Okay. Uh, when we go onto the Social Security site, we look at, you know, we, we bring up our account. We look at that. Um, and uh, my my benefit at uh, 67 is a little over 3000 and then, but her benefit right now at 62, or if she took it at 62, would be about 1500 Yeah, so, I mean, maybe you just go ahead and take it then. I mean, and again, because there's not going to be any advantage to her waiting until her full retirement age uh, to get half of yours. And as you say, I mean, the other part of this equation is, this uh, high interest debt. How much of that? How much are you carrying on all that stuff? About thirty five thousand. Yeah, I mean that adds up, right? At six to ten percent. So, and plus the fact that's kind of the yeah. the emotional hangover of having that on you as you're getting closer to retirement. So, yeah, I mean, I, I there may be a very strong case here to waiting to sixty. To taking it at 62. I mean, I think for you, for somebody that, you know, is okay working until 67, and that's a, probably about when your full retirement age is going to be, you might even, if you had the assets, wait until after 67, because after your full retirement age, your benefit advances at 8% a year plus inflation. So, for example, I'm going to probably wait until age 70 to draw mine. My wife will be entitled to either uh, half of mine or her own, uh, or pardon me, her own or my own when I pass away. And the expectation is I would die first, she would inherit my benefit. So there's a lot of reasons from a family perspective for me to wait. There may be for you as well. I gotcha. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, lots of other things yeah, to it's, consider for retirement, but we were just wondering about that right now with our situation the way it is just right now is being one of the things to prepare for retirement cleaning that up sure yeah that we're dead. yeah i mean because that's yeah. if she okay, takes it well, if that's that's eighteen thousand a year right i mean it would, wouldn't take very long for you to pay off that debt no it wouldn't and um the other thing is though it, is she eligible to collect that and still work and make that thirty thousand a year. Let's let's hang on. If you could hang on one second, we'll go back to that question, which is a really good one. As we continue talking real money here, eight five five nine three five talk. We'll be right back. Tom and Don are talking real money. Tom and I created Vestry to help everyone become a better investor, even those who will never be clients. Let one of our advisors help you start your financial plan or solve a money problem free with no obligation or high-pressure sales pitch at Vestory.com. V-E-S-T-O-R-Y.com. Your guide to a really great financial future. Tom and Don are talking real money. Hey, welcome back to Talking Real Money, all things financial, money-related. Here to help you uh, try to get some straight answers on all that. Our telephone number, 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255. Still got, still got some time to take your uh, your questions here before we uh, head out the door here. And uh, so, Steve, are you still there? Oh, I sure am. Sounds like you are. Okay, I hope you're driving safely. All right, so here's the thing. Yeah, you raise a very good point. I mean, Social Security is one of those benefits that really, this is another part that people have a tendency to overlook. It really does not make sense to take Social Security while you have a substantial income in your household because 
for a joint return if you have combined income uh, between thirty-two dollars and $44,000, you have to pay income tax on up to 50% of the benefits. I'm assuming your household income is higher than $44,000 a year? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that means 85%, 85% of that benefit is going to be taxable. They're not going to, you know, they're not going to take whatever your, your household rate is. So you're going to be taking in the 1500 okay. but if you're paying at a 20% rate, well, there goes 20% of that right out the door. So again, that needs to be part of the calculation as well. Well, income is, I mean, you're going to pay tax no matter when you take it, right? I mean... We're going to pay tax on that income somehow. Well, it depends on what your income is going to be like in retirement, right? I mean, I have no idea what if that's the, the sources of all that. You're right. That should be. But I'm, what I'm saying is that should right. be carefully considered uh, before you rush out and take the uh, claim, claim Social Security. I'll put it that way. Right. Okay. Okay. Very good. Yep. We'll take all that into consideration. Just... Uh, Kind of curious, yeah, we'd have to weigh whether or not it, the, the interest that we're paying on the high interest yep. that we'll be paying off is worth taking the money early and paying the taxes in order to get that paid off. And I think the good news for you is it probably still does. And the further good news is you as the higher wage earner and somebody willing to work longer, the fact is the longer you wait on that Social Security benefit, the larger it's going to be. And then again, as I pointed out, were you to pass earlier, we don't wish anything poorly for you, but if you were, your wife would then be able to take your benefit upon your your departure from this earth. So, I mean, again, I still think the plan probably would work under those those situations. Got you. Okay. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank you for your call. That's, uh, that's, you know, these Social Security, it's so doggone complicated. Um, I mean, every once in a while I go just look at my benefit just to see what it is, see how much it's grown, which I think that I, I don't, they're going to, the benefit next year, for those of you already on it, is going to go up like 10% next year. It's going to be huge. They're already talking about, yeah, maybe, maybe double digits. So I'll be curious to go look at what that means to my benefit, which is still, I hope well down the road. I'd like to keep working, as I said, till 70, not take any of it until then. And and really get the the maximum I can. And then here's the other part of Social Security. If you, if I wait till seventy, I gotta live till eighty, or the numbers don't work. In other words, if you if you if you wait until seventy and you die at seventy five, you left a lot of money on the table. Now my wife might be happy because she could still get that money too. But it, it, it it's not simple. It's an actuarial design, right? That just simply looks at well, we think you're gonna live X Y Z. And by the way, as you may have may have well have read recently. Life expectancy in this great country is down by like two years here over the last couple of years. So it's uh, we're headed in the wrong direction. So anyway, it's some complexity. And again, this is the kind of thing that uh, I will I will discuss briefly at my class on Saturday. Don't get a chance to get into all the nuances of Social Security, but some pretty general rules that I think are pretty important. And again, that is uh, retiring in a recession next Saturday, residence in downtown Bellevue at 9 a.m., and you can register at TalkingRealMoney.com. Click on Classes if you don't want to join us, which I hope you do. I'd love to see you. And by the way, we got to, we're got we going to give Paul Merriman's new book away, too, as part of that, just because we have some of them. And he said, go ahead. So um, you just go to TalkingRealMoney.com and click on Classes. Uh, let's see. We lost the caller, but somebody called and wanted to know more about I-bonds. Now, 
Ibon's become very sexy in the last, I don't know, eight months or so, because as inflation has gone up, the I-bond interest rate has gone (laughs) to what what this one article is calling an unprecedented rate of 9.62%. And I think that's all you hear is, sure, sign me up for that. Where else am I getting 9.62% other than my credit card company, right? Which is 9.62 the wrong way and, and more. Um, but it's more complex than that. So as I mentioned, that offering is good through October of this year. So you can still go get the 9.62%, but then I come, I guess it's the first of November. They're going to say, here is the new rate. So you'll get the six months of that nine. And then after that six months are up, you'll get the new rate that they put into place. Um, so (laughs) It always feels kind of limited, kind of tricky. Um, and by the way, because I think somebody else mentioned you get it tax free. You do not. These are not tax free bonds. You will pay int- you will pay taxes on the interest, not state, because here in the great state of Washington, we don't have a state income tax, but you will federally. So you will pay interest on those bonds. And by the way, municipal bonds right now are really been a mess this year. So I don't know if I'd be diving into that unless I already owned them, but. I bonds are tricky. Can't own them in a retirement account. So you cannot own them with your IRA or your Roth IRA. But, um, you know, for again, for I was just reading what another advisor said for somebody that is looking for some place for maybe three to five years, maybe I'm going to buy a house in five years and I'm looking to try to get a little boost on the interest. I think I mentioned a CD, you know, a couple of your CD now is a couple percent. Maybe I'm going to take a chance on some I bonds because I might get lucky and, you know, get six or 7% over the length of the bond. That would be good, right? In a still relatively low interest rate environment. I mean, all we hear about is rates going up, but rates are still relatively low looking historically. And we really don't know where those are going to go, right? I mean, we may be, we may be headed for much higher. There's still all kinds of, I think I read that the, the options market is already priced in a uh, interest rate cut sometime in early 2023 so who knows so anyway i bonds yeah okay they they could be some limited term use perhaps and uh there could be small part of a portfolio and, and as i say maybe you get lucky and make a little bit more interest there so that's a possibility another one that i did want to mention very quickly because this comes up a lot for young people is the roth 401k it's you know it wasn't that long ago you couldn't even do that so a roth is after tax money right that's saved Generally, 401k was pre-tax, you get the tax deduction, and then when you take the money out, you pay the tax on it. Now, uh, I was just reading this the other day, 62% of, or pardon me, 80% of uh, company 401k plans now offer Roth option, uh, whereas only 62% five years ago. But so few people are doing it. I think if you're a young person with a, still a relatively low income and and you're, uh, you're, you're going to get some uh, higher income in years to come, I would be in that Roth. I'd be encouraging people, young people, get in the Roth IRA, get in the Roth 401k, take advantage of uh, that tax-free growth. We'll be right back here talking real money. Stay with us. Tom and Don are talking real money. Is your portfolio a mess? You may have a case of hodgepodgeitis, but don't worry, we can help. Just set up a free, no-obligation meeting with a Vestory advisor at Vestory.com. No sales pitch, guaranteed. That's V-E-S-T-O-R-Y.com. 
for your real life and real future, Tom and Don are talking real money. You know, most of investing should be about retirement. You know, most of money sort of things should be basically about that. And we take that and expand it at our class retiring in a recession. That is coming up one week from today at the Residence Inn in downtown Bellevue. And I would love to see you there. I'll be speaking. Kevin Peterson will be speaking on Medicare, all things Social Security, estate planning, all of that stuff you've got to know about to retire. It's very easy to register. There's a small charge if you meet us in person. It's free if you go online. But go right now to TalkingRealMoney.com, TalkingRealMoney.com. Click on Classes, TalkingRealMoney.com. We hope you realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for informational, educational, and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time, so please consult with a really good fee-only fiduciary investment tax or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately and consistently predict the future, so past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Appella Capital, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. That's a wrap.